That was Nicholas when he was little. Uh, Look at that slide there. That is uh, probably uh, the the most common image that would come to mind when we think of fathers and father's days, a father holding a little child. And um, that is absolutely uh, what fathers do or should do anyway. Um, We want our fathers to do fatherly things. And uh, I want you to know, however, that this is probably the easiest part of fatherhood when they're little, when you can pick them up and hold them and you can take them where you want them to want them to go. And uh, basically, they just about do whatever you want them to do. Changing diapers and having kids stay up at night, colicky children, uh, pukey children, uh, smelly children, whatever. I mean, that's the easy part. The hard part is when they get a little bit older. And uh, I want you to know that most people... Um, have a wrong idea of what makes a good father. Look at this next, uh, next picture. Um, many people think that, wow, you look at that guy, now that's, that's what a good father is and does. And you know what? Yeah, okay, that might be uh, definitely um, part of what makes a father a good father, spending time with his kids and helping with some of the chores. But here's the thing. We, because we don't understand a father's job, we have this idea that if a father's going to be really good, he'll be, he'll be a lot like his wife. He'll do what his wife does. And, of course, we want men to, to, uh, to do housework. I'm not trying to get out of housework, dear. But uh, <laughs> uh, understand this. This is, this is not really, really what makes a great father. This is nice. This is a nice touch. If a man can do this, if he's got time to, to help out in that manner. And I think most men could do that once in a while. And all the men said, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Pastor, that you're on our side. But this is not really what makes a great father. Uh, I'd like us to take a look at that passage of Scripture in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul is giving instruction to the family uh, as to what uh, a good family looks like. And um, let's take a look at that. And maybe if you could just read that with me. Children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honor your father and mother is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it, namely, so you will live well and have a long life. Just stop there for a moment. How many would like their, like their children to have a, a good life and a long life? Everybody like that for their kids? Okay, let's go on here. And then it says, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I want us to unpack that passage of scripture because it's fantastic teaching on what it means to be a good father. And can I just say this? Some of you are at the stage in your life now where your kids have actually uh, uh, flown the the nest. They're they're not at home anymore. But can I just tell you this? What I'm telling you today is not just for fathers who've got kids at home or for fathers who've got little children. This is for all fathers. So uh, just get that that firmly in your head because I could just see some fathers thinking, I'm going to check out now and have a little snooze because uh, I'm past that stage. No, you're not. You're not. You don't. When kids turn 18, that doesn't mag- sort of magically make you a, 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 a grandpa, <laughs> unless they have kids. But it doesn't magically make you just their best friend or make you uh, somebody else in their life. It, it, you still continue to be their father, and you still have a responsibility to be that father. Now, um, I want you to notice uh, just a few things here. First of all, you'll notice that in this passage of Scripture that teaches uh, parents and how to raise your children. You notice that there's no instruction to the mother here. 
The instruction is to the Father. And so you recognize that 2,000 years ago, the understanding is that fathers carry the response, listen, carry the responsibility of making sure that their children follow God. Did you get that? It's the father's responsibility to make sure that happens. But what happens in our culture today? It's usually the the mothers that make sure that happens. The father, the fathers are just like kind of big kids in the house. Mom says, okay, it's time to go to church. And the fathers, do we have to? <laughs> do we have to go? Can I just stay home and watch the game? I'll, I'll promise I'll go next week two times instead of just one. But can I just stay home and watch the game? And, and so fathers uh, understand something today. You have a very serious and challenging duty ahead of you. And so this day really, rather than being called Father's Day, should probably, probably be called Father's Duty Day. Because you need to understand and recognize what it is that makes you a truly good father. In May, 20, May 21st blog by Mark Tukarski, listen to what he said. He, he, in his blog, talks about the four most important professions. And, he, and this is what he says. Here's what are, in my view, the four most important professions. Please tell me where I am wrong. Number one, mother. Number two, teacher. Number three, engineer. Number four, builder. Father doesn't make it to his list. And then he says this, I know that father has to be in there somewhere and that good dads really make our lives better. Maybe I would put them fifth, but they are awfully busy usually so that being a dad is usually second in line to being breadwinner. So here's the thing. Most people in our culture today don't even really see the necessity of a father. They think the fathers are maybe a little bit uh, redundant. I mean, because most mothers are good fathers as well. And so dads just kind of bring home food. They sit in front of the TV, watch their favorite programs, uh, belch, as we saw in the video clip. Uh, and they're just kind of, kind of awkward people in the house. This is such, this is such a, a horrible state that we've got ourselves into as a culture. Because we need to understand how vitally important fathers are. And the Apostle Paul tells us what fathers do. And so I want to give a, just a brief refresher course on fatherhood this morning. Is that all right with everybody? And I promise it won't go too long. In fact, if you behave, fathers, and listen carefully, I'll give you a chocolate bar. <laughs> and uh, what we're, what's going to happen is at the end of the service, uh, you know, whether you think of yourself as religious or a Christian or whatever, I'm going to invite you to come forward so I can pray for you. And, uh, and then I'm going to give you a chocolate bar for that. Because dads need that kind of enticement to get prayer. Uh, Not really. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would help you to take your place, to fulfill your role in the home. And can I just say this, by the way? Men, if you want to have a great marriage, if you want to have a truly wonderful marriage, then then here's what you got to do. is you got to stop expecting your wife to be your mother. There's nothing that will kill romance in a marriage faster than expecting your wife to be your mother, picking up after you, cooking for you, telling you what to do, and taking, making her take charge. Okay, that's just, a little, that's just a little bonus course. So let's get back to, get away from the marriage course, back to the fatherhood course. So here's the thing. What is our goal, fathers? What is your goal? Very simply, look at the yellow. Could you read that? So you will live well and have a long life. This is what you want your kids to do. Now, if you look at that passage of Scripture, you might be tempted to think, oh, the onus is upon the kids. You know, fathers are just sort of, a, a, sort of just come along for the ride. There's kids there, and, 
And kids, this is what you have to do. But listen to me. It's really important to understand that a father's role is to make sure that his kids fulfill what is said in verses 1 to 3 of Ephesians chapter 6. This is a father's responsibility. Because here's the thing. Dad, your goal and my goal is to make sure that our kids have a good life. And have a long life. And what do we mean by having a long life? Well, simply this. That your life is not cut short because you've lived stupid or because you've, you've, you've abused your bodies through, through uh, substance abuse, etc. That you have a good, healthy, long life. Okay, does this make sense? We know what the goal is. We want our kids to have a... Say it again. We want our kids to have a... And that's Father's our goal. How do we make that happen? How does that happen? Very simply... First of all, you have to teach them to honor their parents. Children, do what your parents tell you to do. This is only right. Honor your father and mother. Can I just give the definition of of honor? It means the respect that people have for someone who achieves something great. Fathers, your job is to be a hero to your kids and to your family. Secondly, it's... Uh, respect, uh, the respect that people have for someone who is very powerful. Fathers, you do have power in your homes. You have, you have power. We, have a, we call it responsibility or we call it authority to raise your children. And thirdly, it's someone who behaves in a way that, listen, is morally right. Now, that's, that is what honor is. And I'm going to tell you right now, your children will have no problem honoring you when you live up to this definition of what honor is, doing great things, using the authority that God has given to you as a father, and second, and thirdly, to behave in a way that's morally right. And anyways, in other words, the way you live your life has got to cause your kids to honor you, to respect you, to look up to you, and say, I want to be like my Yes, thank you, Ray. I want to be like my dad. I want to do what he does. I want to talk like he talks. I want to act like he acts. I just want to be like my dad. Now, fathers, I want you to know this. that By the way that you live and the things that you do, you are either inspiring your children or you are exasperating your children. You're pro- the Bible says provoking them to anger. You're frustrating them. So the question is this this morning. Are you living in a way that's causing your kids to naturally respect you? Or are you causing your kids to, under your breath, under their breath, despise you, hate you, and even uh, resent you? Listen to this. Our pulp, our, our pulp, pop culture, our pulp, our pop culture does not do a very good job of setting the bar very high. At least not anymore. It did at one time. How many remember Leave It to Beaver? Anybody remember that? And uh, how many remember uh, Father Knows Best? This, these are very old programs. And uh, if you look at them now, it seems, it, it seems very, like very strange programs because the values are so utterly different than our values today. But these are the values of the 50s and the 60s. And no, fathers weren't perfect, and they didn't always measure up to these high, high standards. But listen to this. These are and were biblical standards. And so, um, Al Martin, pop culture expert, he says this, In the early depictions of the father on TV, particularly on Leave it to Beaver and Father Knows Best, dads are these guiding and almost godlike figures in the family. Now, you might think, oh, godlike figure, that's, that's blasphemous. No, it's not. That's precisely what fathers are supposed to be. 
They're supposed to be figures who imitate God and set the standards for their children so that when the children grow up, become 18 and leave home, the respect and the honor that they give to their father is now transferred to their heavenly father. Fathers, that's your job. That is your duty. And so he goes on to say this. The classic archetype of the 1950s dad was to bring home the bacon and get involved in the children's lives and to be the wise disciplinarian. Wow, have things changed. Family life was simple. Martin goes on to say, often spent around the dinner table talking about the day's events. Dad was the patriarch and moral compass of the family. Leave it to Beaver's Ward Cleaver. Everybody remembers Ward Cleaver? Just the kind of dad you all wish you had. Uh, he was the patriarch, the moral, he was the moral compass. And he ended every show with wise words and a life lesson for his sons. And you know, you might think, you know, oh, that's corny, whatever, it's not true to life. It's not, you're right, it's so often it's not true to life, but it should be. And that's what's wrong with our society and our culture today. Fathers have abdicated, you've stepped back, you're not doing what God's called you to do. What is the, what's the cultural standard today? Uh, Homer Simpson as everybody knows, is, uh, is, is not just an idiot. Uh, he's a moron, and, uh, uh, well, he, he's, just, he's just void of any, any morality of, of, any, of any kind. Occasionally, he gets it right. And, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear uh, um, Christian commentators commenting on Homer Simpson and saying, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really a good program. And, and one, one theologian even wrote a book, The Gospel According to Homer Simpson. And really seriously, trying to take this stuff seriously. And you got Archie Bunker. Anybody remember Archie Bunker? A moron and a bigot. Anybody ever hear of American Dad? Another cartoon. Again, teaching our society that fathers are, are idiots. Anybody hear of Ray Romano? His wife, actually in the show, almost every show, would say this to, to her husband. Idiot. And everybody would laugh. Of course, that's how they got their laughs. Because Ray Romano acted like a confused idiot that didn't really know how to be a father, didn't know how to be a husband, and just all he cared about was the sports. And then you got Family Guy. Now, I have to tell you, I have never watched a full episode of Family Guy because it is, it is so immoral. It is so utterly immoral. It does, it does not go on in my home. It's not allowed. Homer Simpson, Family Dad, it's not allowed in my home. Because it is so, so subversive, so undermining a father's role and a father and the respect that a father should have and the example that a father should be to his family. Now, the Bible tells, uh, tells children to honor their parents so that they would have a great life. And fathers, it's your responsibility to make sure that you are respectful so that your kids can respect you, so that they can have a good life. Now, I'm going to tell you, fathers aren't always respectful. And, and by the way, children, that does not get you off the hook. You still have to respect your parents, even when they don't measure up in the way that you think they should me- measure up. Now, the question is this, why? Why must we respect our parents? Why must children respect their parents? And I'll tell you, it's very simply this, to teach and to pass on respect for authority. That is the breakdown of our culture, is that there is no moral standards. There is no authority anymore. Would anybody agree with this, or is it just me that sees this? There is no 
authority. There is no respect. And so here's a question after that. Why is it important to teach and pass on respect for authority? Because here it is, very simply. It's not because God's this this cosmic party pooper. It's because God loves you. And when you learn to respect authority, when you learn to respect guidelines, when you learn to respect the laws and the principles of God, guess what happens? It saves your life. Look at people who are in prison today. Look at people whose lives are mixed up and messed up and people whose lives are are not where they need to be. And that might be some of you today. It's because you didn't respect the authority. Passed down either from your parents or from God himself. Now listen to me. Ultimately, as fathers, we want to train our children to respect the ultimate authority, who is God himself. And listen to this. And the laws of God give you life. The laws of God are what give you life, which give you a good life, a long life, a happy life. Fathers, that's your duty to make sure that this value is driven home to your kids. Do you ever wonder why our society is going down the toilet? Why our kids are going crazy? I'm going to tell you this, because some of you are going to say, yes, it's because of all the sin. No, it's not because of the sin. There's always been sin. There's nothing new, the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. It's not because of sin that we have a problem. It's because there's a whole generation coming up that respects nothing and respects no one. Do you get that? Our job as fathers is to turn that around. And you begin with your own family. And so fathers, I'm going to just quickly tell you this. You need, first of all, to live in a way that makes it easy for your children to respect you. It might be the most important thing that you do. For your kids. And secondly, fathers, make sure, demand that your children respect their mother. Do not let them get away with it. The harshest punishment in your home should be for that, for the breaking of that one command. They need, your kids need to know that not only must they respect you, but they have to respect their mother. And that should get the severest punishment in your home. And thirdly, fathers, you need to model honor. You need to model that for your kids by honoring God the way that you live your life. So there's the first thing that we learn. The first step in great fathering is teach your kids to honor their parents. It's absolutely vital that your kids understand that. They've got to honor their mother and father. The second thing, and by the way, that goes for all ages. It's not just for these kids sitting in the front or the few that are scattered around. It's for all of us. We are all called to do that. I'm going to tell you, as a Christian, my biggest struggle, that has been my biggest struggle because of some of the things that have gone on in my family. It's been my biggest struggle. And I can tell you that so far, so good. I think God has given me the grace to overcome. But I'm going to tell you, you've got to model it for your kids. The second thing you need to know is this. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't exasperate your children. That's what it says there in verse 4. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Let's just unpack that for a moment. That word exasperate, uh, it's a Greek word which literally means beside, beside himself with frustration. Has anybody been beside themselves with frustration? So utterly aggravated, so utterly frustrated. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about here. Don't get your kids so upset that they're, they're literally become a different person. Because when you're beside yourself, suddenly you become a different person. 
You're what we call schizophrenic in the true sense. You become two people. There's you and then there's the angry you. You don't want to turn your kids into that. And this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us. Don't provoke your kids to anger. So that word exasperate, that can be translated as anger. It can be translated as vex. Don't vex your kids. It could be, uh, don't, don't make them angry. Don't make them frustrated. Don't provoke them. So here's the thing. What makes your kids angry? How do you get them to that place where they're truly angry? Now, here's the thing. It's, it's very, very simple, and this might surprise you. What makes children angry at their fathers and mothers is, is very simple. It's the inability of the child to communicate their thoughts and their feelings to their parent. Did you know that? That's what makes your children angry. That's what exasperates them. That's what frustrates them. When they can't tell you what they're thinking and tell you how they're feeling. That's what makes them beside themselves with frustration. When they can't tell you, Dad, I think you've been treating me unfairly. Or, Dad, I think that you are too harsh with me. Or, Dad, I feel like, like this is not fair. Or, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting inside. Dad, I need to tell you what I'm thinking. I need to tell you how I'm feeling. Can I just remind everybody here today, and you've heard this a hundred thousand times from this pulpit. You and I were created for one thing. If you want to know the mystery to the universe or the mystery to life, it can be summed up in one word, and it's the word relationship. You were created for relationship. And here's the thing. Relationships don't happen. Listen to me. They don't happen automatically. Just because you have a child doesn't mean automatically you have a relationship with that child. That relationship has to be formed. And the way that that relationship is formed, listen to me, is through communication. Say that word with me. Communication. Some men have a hard time spitting. That's a big word. We, men are very, aren't very verbal, are we? We don't talk that much. Uh, but it's through communication. And when your kids can't communicate with you, and you're not communicating with your kids, then what happens is an exasperation sets in, an anger sets in. Now, men aren't, uh, aren't usually very good at communicating because either they're too busy, too much on their mind, or because they're, they're, uh, they've, they're caught up with work, overwhelmed by life. But fathers, I want to tell you, things, tell you something. That is not an excuse to not communicate with your kids. You need to talk to them. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to set up a time, an appointment. Okay, kids, at 4.05, it's Nick, and then at 4.20, it's Jesse, and then at, at 4.40, it's Sarah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the ability to constantly be connecting with your, with your kids so that they can pour out their hearts. You give them permission to tell you what they're thinking. You know what? I do a lot of counseling, and guess what I discover almost all the time? When people come to me with problems, almost all the time, it's because at the root of it, when they were children, they didn't have the ability or didn't have the opportunity to communicate with father and mother. And at that time, in, that, in their childhood, and then this is not psychobabble, folks. This is, this is pure scripture. In that time in their life, they didn't have an opportunity to pour out their heart to their father, to their mother. And their father and mother didn't talk to them. So I'm going to tell you this. The second greatest act of fatherhood is to communicate with your children and allow them 
to communicate with you, to tell you whatever they want to tell you. It's absolutely imperative. I'm going to tell you this. If you can foster that in your family, you will have kids that turn out okay. And if right now you're thinking back on your life and the way it's been with your kids' fathers and you know that maybe you dropped the ball and didn't communicate with them enough, it's not too late. Isn't that great? It's not too late to go and talk to your kids. I'm, gonna, I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. It'll be very awkward. Very awkward to start talking to your kids. Very awkward to invite them to start talking to you if you're not in the habit of doing that. But here's the thing. That's where healing will begin in their hearts. And that's when they're going to get themselves, begin to get themselves sorted out. I was talking to a friend of mine who's in the uh, ministry of helping people who struggle with addictions and um, I said to him, I said, have you, I just said, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess the number one reason why these kids end up in your, in your center. I said, I would guess it's because these kids do not have a relationship with their mother and or their father. He said, that's absolutely correct. Because they didn't have a relationship where they could communicate fully with their mother and father. You know, one of the wonderful things about my dad, and I wish he was here today to hear me say this. And my dad, I mean, my dad's very human. He's made his mistakes in life. But here's the good thing that he did for me. If my dad saw that I was upset or bothered or quiet or withdrawn, if he saw that I was moody or angry, if I was, wasn't talking, if I didn't have a, a twinkle in my eye, if I wasn't smiling... You know what he would do? He would take me aside and sit down with me and say, Alan, what's wrong? And I would say, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'd say nothing. And he'd say again, no, t- tell me what's wrong. I'd say, no, nothing's wrong, Dad. No, honest, Dad, honest, nothing's wrong. He said, Alan, you may as well just uh, forget about trying to get away from me here. You're going to tell me what's in your heart, what you're thinking, and how you're feeling. Sometimes he'd get me in the car and we'd go for a drive and when you're in the passenger seat of a car with your dad, you are basically a prisoner. <laughs> you're not going anywhere. And we begin to drive, and he'd ask the question, what's bothering you? And I'd say nothing. And he'd start asking questions, ask questions. Is it this? Is it that? Is it school? Is it, is it your brothers? Is it, usually it's my brothers. <laughs> is, it, is, it your, is it your sister? Is it, uh, is it something from church? Is it something is it with your friends? And he, he's asked questions. And I'd say, well, then it was, he's, I'd start to crack, you know, because it's just driving me crazy. And I'd say, well, maybe. Oh, maybe. Okay, well, is it this? Is it, is, is it? And the next thing you know, it started coming out in drips and little spurts. And the next thing you know, it was pouring out. And I was telling my dad what was in my heart. Now, here's the cool thing. Most of the time, my dad couldn't fix it. But what he could do is he could hear me out. And if he had experienced the same thing that I'd gone through, he'd say, you know what, Alan? I've been through the same thing. And you know it's going to be okay. I didn't understand it at that time because I was too young to understand it. But that was probably the best thing my dad could have done for me. It gave me an opportunity to pour up my heart. And the smile is back in my face. The twinkles back in my eye. I'm having fun again. And just go back to living. And dad just goes on being dad. No. <laughs> you see how 
you see how simple it is and yet how difficult it is? Because most of us rather just keep it in. We don't want to tell you what's, what's bothering us. But I can tell you, if your kids or the people in your life don't have a twinkle in their eye, if they're moody, if they're dark, withdrawn, angry, if they're staying away, then there's something wrong and they need to talk. And if it's your kids, then they need to talk to you. And most people have it really confused. They think, you know, children are to be seen and not... Yeah, you know that. And don't talk. And I'll give you something. And just wait till you're... Yeah, you know all these. You know all these. You see, you see, you see how we're all raised? Poor Ray. He, he really is an expert on this. But you see how we're all raised? This is, we're, we're raised not to communicate with our parents. This is what's so exasperating and so frustrating. Kids can take almost anything, but this one thing that they cannot take is rejection. You show me a troubled kid at any age, and nine times out of ten, it'll be someone who's troubled, expressing his or her thoughts or feelings, his or her pain, his sufferings to the parent. Plain and simple as that. Fathers, that's your job to make sure that happens. It's your job to make sure that you are communicating with your kids. One of the best experiences of my life as a father was when Jesse and I took off for Banff last year. It was just the two of us. And just nothing to do but just just each other, just to be able to talk. It was absolutely one of the highlights of my life, and I planned to do it with my other kids. Where we just talk to each other. It doesn't be anything profound. None of this, here's a book, son, I'm passing on to you from my father who passed it off from his grandfather, from his grandfather before that. I think my grandfather was a philanderer. <laughs> so I don't think he had anything that great. To, my great-grandfather, I should say. My grandfather was a wonderful man, but his father was... But if you connect with your kids, it might be the most powerful thing you do for them. And by the way, it's not just your kids. It's, I mean, everybody needs to talk to somebody. Now, my time is running away, so I've got to tell you one other thing. The third lesson in, in fatherhood, in excellent fatherhood, not just good fatherhood, but excellent fathers do these things. The third thing is that they nurture their children. Look what it says there. Take them, I like that, take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Jesse, come hold my hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't have to do that. I won't embarrass you. But literally, that's, that's, that is what it's saying. Because the word nurture, believe it or not, is from the Latin word to nurse. Well, <laughs> men don't nurse. I mean, most don't. <laughs> Maybe some could. <laughs> I don't know. We'll leave that alone. We'll just poke out our mind's eye right now. Um, Listen to me. Nurse, nurture, care for. A father is supposed to be that to his or her son or daughter. Did you know that? That's a father's job. You, man, oh no, the, I'll let my wife take care of that. I'm, I'm the law and my wife is grace. No, that's nonsense. That's just utter nonsense. That's, that's kind of trying to figure it out your own way. Let's do it according to the scripture. Excellent fathers are nurturers. And the way that you're going to nurture your children, first of all, is, yeah, yeah, take them by the hand. Ooh, men don't do that. Anybody, anybody ever see uh, Everybody Loves Raymond? There's an episode where Raymond and Robert are being forced by their wives to hug their dad. 
and so it makes for it makes actually for a very good television because it it's a, an extreme tension there that everybody understands it can feel. And so there's Robert and there's Ray and there's the dad just standing there, just like this is the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to them. They would actually have to hug each other, father and sons, who see each other literally every day, but yet they can't cross that line where they hug each other. That is the saddest thing, absolute saddest thing. Because, fathers, your job is to make sure, make sure that your kids know that you love them, which means you hug them, you put your arm around them, you pat them on the back. And you know that first picture where the father's holding the little child? Guess what? That should never end. Now, I, I, you, could you imagine me trying to hold Nicholas like that? <laughs> Six feet tall? <laughs> it just it wouldn't work. But guess what? I can still give him a hug. I can still put my arm around him. And he still knows that I'm his dad and that I love him. And same thing with Nicholas and, or Jesse. And same thing with Sarah. That's what fathers do. And guess what? This is not optional. This is not a parenting style. This is the Bible. This is what the scripture says to do. A hug, a pat on the back, holding a hand. And it's absolutely what God wants. And I'm telling you, people are absolutely starving for that. People are starving for that. And you know that. Their love for you. Their love for you when you hug them and hold them and pat them on the back, put your arm around them. Their love for you will make them want to hang on to whatever is important to you, fathers. Did you get that? Because of the love that you have for them, their love for you will want them to do whatever, will make them want to do whatever it is that you do. Whatever is important to you now will become important to your kids because your, your kids love you so much. That's what a good father does. Now here's a, the other thing you need to recognize. There's that touch aspect and then there's the lead them in the way of the master. Now, can I just say this? Because I know some men think, uh-huh, I knew, I knew it. We're going to get to this point where a pastor is going to ask me to do something impossible. No, I'm not. Lead them in the way the master does. Listen to me. It does not mean that you have big theological Bible studies with your kids every night. That is not what it's saying. And that's why so many fathers just simply back off from talking to their kids about anything spiritual because they think that they're not qualified or they don't have the ability. Or they'll say, leave it to mother. Mom will do it. Listen to me. It says to model or to lead them, to walk with them. So here's what your kids really need. It's not the big theological Bible study that they need. What they need is for you to model a good relationship with God. That's what the kids need to see. They need, you to, they need to see you praying, fathers. Have your kids ever caught you praying? Ever caught you going to a prayer meeting? Have they ever seen you, caught you raising your hands and worshiping God? Have they ever seen how important it is to you that you go to church every Sunday and that you'll stay away from the ball games or whatever so that you don't miss church? Because whatever's important to you, whatever you value, is what you're going to pass on to your kids. I can't stress that enough. I don't know how, how better to stress that. But your kids are going to do whatever you do. And if you are weak, and if you are failing, and if you are letting it slip or slide, guess what? They'll take that slipping and sliding to a new level, and it's going to break your heart. It's going to absolutely break your heart. 
If they see you drinking alcohol and they see you watching stuff on TV that you shouldn't be watching, they're going to think that that's, that that's your value, that it doesn't matter. And they'll take it to a new level that will absolutely break your heart. And so here's what you've got to do. You've got to model a good relationship with God. You've got to talk to your kids about your struggles, about your weaknesses, about your temptations. I mean, not, I mean, not when they're four, but as they grow up and get to that age where they need to hear you talk about your experience with God. They need to hear that because that's what it means to lead them in the way of the master. You show them what it means to walk with God. Let them see you not a, as a perfect man, but a man seeking to honor God with your life. Because guess what? They're watching you. They're watching you really closely. We're going to show you a video clip right now, but we're not going to do that because we're running out of time. But what I would like right now is I'd like you fathers to come and stand here at the altar because I want to pray for you. Just get up out of your seats right now and come. And just stand here before me, and I'm going to pray a prayer for you. Because I've given you the instructions that will help you to be not just a good father, but to help you to be an excellent father. You're going to teach your children to honor you by being honorable. You're going to be careful not to exasperate them by allowing them to pour out their heart to you. And you're going to nurture them by giving them a hug, by touching them, by patting them on the back, and by leading them in the way of the Master. Father, as uh, these men stand here before you today, Some have young ones still at home. Some are at the point where their kids are getting ready to leave home. And some have, the kids have already left home. And some are here and they haven't talked to their kids for years. And God, help them to recognize that the onus, the responsibility is upon these men to initiate relationship with their children, not vice versa. Forgive us, Father, for believing or thinking that somehow it's our kids who've got to make the first move. Help us to recognize today that as fathers, it's our responsibility to be initiators, to initiate that relationship with our kids. Father, these, uh, these men stand before you right now. They stand before you not as perfect men, not as men who have it all together, not as men who, uh, who are without fault. These are... These are are men who, in so many ways, like myself, are frail and in need of your grace. And the marvelous thing is, God, is that you tell us that you give grace to the humble and you oppose the proud. Help us, Lord, each one, to be humble men who require and need the help and strength of God. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that today will be a turning point for some of these men because they're going to go and talk to their kids. They're going to go and give their kids a hug and freak their, their kids out. <laughs> They're going to go put their arm around their kids. They're going to tell their kids they love them. They're going to initiate that conversation, a conversation that maybe for some should have happened years ago. God, we pray for a miracle to take place. We pray, Lord, that because these men, because these men want to be good fathers, they want to be excellent fathers, we thank you, Lord, that you will do something very special in the homes of those who are represented here. God, we pray that you give, give them grace right now. Give them strength to serve you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. Amen. Now, before you grab your chocolate bars, wives, 
uh, you need to help your husbands to be the best that they can be. That's, that's your job. Your job is to support your husband in making sure that they are the best men that they can be. So would you help them? And if you need to, buy a copy of the CD and put it in the car and make them listen to it once a week. <laughs> or tell them to go online and get it. But guys, you've got you to gotta get this in your heads and your hearts. And I'm going to tell you, there will be nothing that will be more fulfilling for you as men than for you to be excellent fathers. So get this, learn it, know it, be able to give the sermon yourself. Know it that well. Lord, make your face to shine upon each one. Give peace, give strength, give grace, Lord, to be all that you've called us to be. And we thank you for these men, these fathers, in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. Amen. God bless you.